0: We used to have a saying in the music industry that all press is good press. They commented on it, other big artists started to comment on it, and then as virality works, it just went just bananas.
1: I think it's quite ironic that the bands that wanted to cancel us, what they did is they put us on the cover of the Rolling Stone.
2: You're listening to the Provoke and Inspire Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Learning how to follow Jesus in a post-Christian culture. My name is Ben Pierce. I'm the host of the show, and we're back, sort of back, because Luke is not here. He's in the middle of a sound check. He's uh, in Poland somewhere, about to do a show. But Chad, Chad's still just doing the same old thing. I'm
2: still here. I'm still. I I do think it's so funny we record this, you know, with a little service that shows our videos, except for David. And every time you introduce us, I do, I make some kind of like motion with my arms right. or with my mouth or with my head. And then it just dawned on me that nobody actually sees any no. of that. And I, I felt really sad. It is,
1: no. it is unfortunate that people can't see uh, the video right now because know, there's there's kind of a glow on your forehead today, Chad, unlike any other. <laughs> you see that, it's Ben? back.
2: It's back.
0: Yeah, 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 it's uh a little bit more shiny than usual. It must be yeah, the lotion. It's because the light. Yeah, I
2: forgot to turn the the lights off. Yeah, oops. you
0: forgot to powder up. Come on, man. This is a professional show. Uh look, yeah. uh, like I said, this is a a podcast about following Jesus in a post-Christian context and uh we always kind of come to you from various places doing various things and that's a little bit of the nature of the show. It's a little bit chaotic and also it's because Uh, We are part of a mission called Steiger that operates all over the world, that, that reaches people who are far from God. It is our heart to go to them, to lift up the name of Jesus, to disciple them. And that means that often we are in the middle of doing that while still trying to record this podcast at the same time. And so Luke, as I said, is in Poland, Chad is in Nashville, but David is in Brazil. And that's going to be really the subject of the conversation today because the band that David and I are part of, NLM, just came off a tour of Brazil that was interesting to say the least, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little bit of the details related to that. And Chad, from what I understand, you're not totally filled in on all the details. So yeah, you're... I mean, I yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I can I can uh, help. You know, maybe maybe lead the way for the listener who is wondering, kind of like me, what's like what what happened in Brazil? What what's the drama? What's the yes? What are the gory, juicy details? Um, no, I'm no I'm familiar to the extent of the Steiger email and uh, sure. part of the worldwide prayer call uh that i arrived late to so i do have some context but not i'm not really there's there's a lot that i'd like to know and like to like to understand and uh yeah, hopefully we can
0: well let me let me try to let me try to back up without backing up too much and making this too long-winded so as i already said this is a podcast that's part of a missions organization called steiger and and one of the sort of the the a founding, driving initiatives of the mission of Steiger is the band No Longer Music. It was a band that David, who's on this podcast, who started he started it back in in the eighties as a as a punk band to reach that scene and that culture, and and it had a profound and powerful impact right from the very beginning. And God has always used this band throughout the history of this mission as kind of a catalyzing, pioneering tool to go to hard places to lift up the name of Jesus. Um, a lot of our our regions where we're active have a history that began with the band NLM going, playing in, in clubs and squares and festivals and, and seeing people come to Jesus and then mission the mission starting there as a result. And so for those who've been following this mission for a while, NLM has always been a kind of a critical part of that. It's this band that, that has always, from its very inception, fused together all of the different art mediums, you know, the visual, the theatric, the music, to tell a modern-day story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus using very relevant symbols and imagery of the day. It's not something for the church. It's not very recognizable as something that is made by the church. It's for those outside of it. And that's always been the heart, and that's always been its purpose. And this tour of Brazil kind of came together um, in, in, in... somewhat chaotic fashion and for those who listened to the the very brief little monologue episode that we released a few days ago I gave you a little bit of context but essentially Brazil was not even supposed to be on the schedule we were actually scheduled to go to Europe you know we had covid and that kind of shut everything down but with that kind of finally lifting we we're going to be going back to Europe and we are going to be doing a tour kind of in in the the east and and central part of Europe, uh, you know Austria and Germany and Poland and Romania, but also Ukraine. Well, needless to say, with the war, that tour fell apart. And a lot of the areas that we were supposed to tour either bordered Ukraine or were right in that region. And so the impact of the refugees and the crisis and the uncertainty really made it impossible for us to tour. And so we pivoted and we chose to go to Brazil instead, where we have a very active... Uh, set of of leaders and city teams and missionaries. Uh, And so we quite hurriedly, if that's a word, put together this tour of Brazil. And the remarkable thing about this tour of Brazil, and David, jump in whenever you feel like you want to, but the remarkable thing is is despite the only few months that we had to plan this national tour, it started to come together in, in pretty spectacular fashion. And one thing that was very unique about this tour is that we were playing... We were scheduled to play and then ultimately did play in some of the most iconic venues with some of the biggest bands of the scene there. And so it was a very high-profile tour, quite paradoxically. You know, you would think with no time to plan, you wouldn't be able to put something together like that. And yet, despite those challenges, we were truly given an opportunity to play in the heart of the scene. And so we are very, very excited. I mean, for those from Minneapolis. I mean, it's like first Ave. I mean, whatever the iconic venue of your city is, or even of your country, that's where we were playing. It's no exaggeration to say. Um, and so we're all excited. I mean, why wouldn't you be, you know, here we are, we're going to come in. COVID is finally somewhat in the rear view. We, we get to tour again. We get to, you know, we we put this brand new show together and rebranded and all this stuff. We're excited to hit the road. And so we go to Brazil and uh, we pull the whole thing together. We do like a kind of a send-off show type thing for for some of our friends and and, and church leaders. And, and then we we begin the tour. And, and it starts uh, with an incredible outdoor show in this the city that's about an hour and a half from Sao Paulo. It's this huge outdoor show, 3,000 people, like all these metal heads, and, and, but just normal global youth culture kids and just really intense, great show. Next night, we play in... One of the more iconic venues in sao Paulo, the main you know the big one of the biggest cities in Brazil, twenty million people uh, we play in this incredible venue, and by and large, it goes really well and the the thing that that I think we didn't have the context for is i don't know i don't live in this world, but there's a certain strata of art where it's not just how many people show up it's the kinds of people that show up to your shows it's the backstage it's all of the cool, hip, influential people that want to come because this is the cool venue and this is a cool event. And that's what this was like. I mean, I didn't even realize, we didn't even realize, but the backstage was just filled with, you know, this key media influencer and this key artist. And so a very high-profile environment, very high-profile situation. And we perform this show and David preaches, then Moa, the guy in our band, he starts to share his story. And the guitar player of the band that opened for us, big influential band starts yelling at Moa in Portuguese. And we're like we're confused, like what, you know, for those of us who don't speak Portuguese, we're like what is happening because it's this very very tense situation. And to cut a long story short, he started accusing us of being this cult of being this colonial white western band that was coming in with this political message um and and just all this weird stuff, all this kind of woke Leftist, kind of weird, you know who we are. We're these colonizers, and you know Brazil, like America, has a real rough history with slavery and all that. And so, all these weird accusations are being uh, levied against us. But the prevailing mindset afterwards was embarrassment by everyone there for this guy. That was kind of the feeling. Like everyone was coming up to us, like, man, I don't know what that was about. Like, sorry, man, and you know, there's rumors of his drug use throughout the, the day and night. But anyway, the prevailing attitude was, man, I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. That was weird. Like, there's nothing wrong. I even talked to the lead singer, who's his brother, and the brother was like, sorry, man. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, blah, blah, blah. And we move on. We move on. We play our third show. Amazing night. Great atmosphere. Then we had to Rio de Janeiro, and we play in another awesome, iconic venue. I mean, you should see this venue. It's like, It's like a circus, indoor, outdoor, amphitheater-looking thing. It's hard to explain. But again, if you're not playing in the mega, super arena dome, when you come to Brazil, you're playing here. I mean, that's the kind of venue this is. And again, the who's who of the art scenes there, great crowd, great atmosphere. David preached an incredibly powerful message, good response. We're taking pictures with all of the bands. Huge influencers are, are taking our shirts and... Doing stories on Instagram about how they met us and are, you know, advertising the fact that they're wearing our shirt. Just all around an awesome night. Everything's going great. We head to our next venue. David and I, you know, we both go to bed happy, at peace. And then we wake up the next morning and just the crud hits the fan. And so, David, how about you pick it up from here? Because people are probably sick of hearing from me. How about you take it from your perspective when we wake up on that Tuesday morning and everything about that tour changed?
1: Well, I wake up early in the morning and I get this text from, from Moi, who's in our show, and he says, Get Ben and come down here right away. And I thought, what? You know, what's going on? So so I go get Ben, and he's like upset because I'm waking him up. And uh, so we go downstairs. And we find out that someone Twittered us and they tweeted us. And they, and so we were so tw- – they were really PO'd and then they said this thing and it blew up. And, Maybe
0: I should just explain this story.
1: What? I'm explaining it. This is
2: pretty – uh, yeah, this is pretty fun. I'm, I'm following. So, right, carry on. So, so someone Twittered
1: us. So we were Twittered and then we became <laughs> the story in every media outlet in Brazil. I mean it was like we were yeah. – and it just – it went crazy. Thousands of people are, there's this Twitter storm that takes place. People in the music scene and not the music scene were talking about it. All the big YouTube influencers were, that was what they were discussing. It was just crazy. And, um, so was this,
2: was this literally one person's tweet or were there many people that were? So so from what I, so
0: from what I understand, a girl that was kind of in the entourage of the band with the guitarist who was very mad was Got the to. one who started this. And she finally, I guess, broke her silence and did this tweet about how, you know, this band came and they deceived everyone and they're this cult and they're, you know, shouldn't be in a club like that, given this message and blah, blah, blah. And then that band just thought, oh, what the heck? The cat's out of the bag. They commented on it other big artists started to comment on it. And then as virality works, it just went just bananas. And I mean, this was like legit, legit viral. I mean, this wasn't like viral in a small bubble. Uh, It was viral, maybe not in a global sense, definitely not in a global sense, but definitely in a Brazil sense. I mean, to the point, as David said, where every major news article, news site was picking it up. Rolling Stone, Brazil, every every news agency, as I said. And and it was one of those weird things that it just kept getting worse and worse. Bands started dropping out. You know, just kind of, it came one of those things where a line was drawn in the sand and a narrative was spun, despite, as I said before, the overwhelmingly positive experience of those that were actually present at the shows, including, you know, the many, many non-believers, artists, and audience alike, who by and large had nothing but positive things to say. Once this kind of online narrative was spun, that were this band who came in and tricked people. And we can talk about that whole tricking aspect, the the heart of what they were accusing us of, and, and talk about that in more detail. But once that narrative got spun, it became like this almost like for and against. You know, as you see in cancel culture, as you see when when sort of a, a negative narrative becomes spun online, people almost have to comment for and against because silence is an answer to people. And and so it became this massive thing where everyone was saying what side they were on. Um now, to be fair to the argument, there were tons of people arguing back and forth. You know, there was the the whole pushback of man, free speech. This isn't this rock and roll, isn't this part of art? No one was forced to watch this, you were free to to come or go. But as any viral story, you know, typically does have that sort of contentious heart, and that's kind of why it goes viral. And yeah, basically all but Two of our shows got canceled. And the only real reason that the two remaining shows did not get canceled was because that night, the night of the viral storm, was too late to cancel, really, even though all the other bands dropped out. And then the other show was in a church. And, you know, you're not going to be able to cancel that. Yeah. yeah, And
1: also, they were threatening that the two, the three clubs that were not the church show at the end, um, they were, people were saying they were going to come in. There's going to be violence. Cause violence. So they, so the clubs, so they still wanted us to come, but they were afraid to let us play because of that. That's what their story. I well, agree. yeah,
0: they were they were tuck, they were stuck in this you know weird reputational economic quandary. It's like at some point we didn't become worth it. <laughs> you know, it's like why would these artists and venues stake their reputations or their careers or the- on defending some random band who, yeah. as far as they're concerned, might actually be guilty of the very things we're being accused of. And so yeah. it was intense, man. It was, uh, mm. it was a really, really interesting situation. So um, when Moa,
2: when Moa called you guys downstairs, how did you first handle that? Or how, what was your first reaction to learn, le- you know, discovering that you'd been called out publicly and it, it was, it was taking off and
0: media outlets and every, everybody was picking up the story. Well, I mean, I, I think you're in real time trying to figure out what the consequences are going to be, right? Because it, it shouldn't come, and this this will be the subject of the second half of this podcast, it shouldn't necessarily come as a massive surprise that preaching the gospel in big public places it, it has the potential to cause negative reactions. I mean, that should be obvious because of the inherent offensiveness of the gospel in a sense. But I think it was just trying to Go, okay, how big is this? And then what does that mean? You know, like, what is that going to mean? And kind of in real time trying to react, like, are we going to still be able to play? Like, And, you know, it, it was one of those very incremental things. It's like, this band is, like, wavering. Now they're out. Then the next band says they're out. This venue says they're not sure. And then an hour later, they're out. And then, you know, it just became this... It took on a life of its own. So it was... Yeah, well, and then very, we had we had
1: bands that said in the beginning, "No, we're standing with no longer music," and then they were out.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it was it was hard. As I said, I just just to give a fair hearing to the criticism, I think I would say the heart of the criticism was that we had in some ways deceived the audience, right? That we had presented ourselves to. The artists, the venues, the bands, and then ultimately the audience as this kind of harmless American rock band, and that that's what they came for, and that they were ultimately, you know, the, this gospel message was foisted upon the people instead. That was the heart of the accusation, you know. And and of course, when you whenever you get massively criticized, it's natural to ask, you know, is there is there some validity to this, and and did we do something wrong, and and we we want to. You know we don't we want to be humble and we i don't want anything i do to be an impediment to the gospel but i i think as as the kind of the the hours and then ultimately days pass i think that the the key things for us to remember was one as i continue to mention and have said on this podcast the the experiences and the receptivity that the how people reacted to the actual shows in the moment was overwhelmingly positive and and it, we even started to feel this weird temptation to change the narrative because of what was being said. It's like it's almost like the the truth. Uh, you know the whole fake news and blah blah blah. But it's almost like it became blurry between what actually happened and what was being said happened. And David kept reminding me and us guys that it was a positive thing. People responded with respect. People came up to us and said. Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily believe this, but what I, I believe in what you're doing, and I think it's great, and and keep going. And so there was there was that element of actually reminding ourselves about what actually happened as opposed to what was being said. Um, but then the other side of it is, on a practical level, we did communicate with the venues and the bands and the promoters who we were. We have these really sad before and after messages of the bands. Even having witnessed our show being, that was awesome. And then two days later when the internet storm begins, acting all shocked and distancing themselves from us. So without coming off too defensive and overly concerned about our reputation, the the sad reality is a lot of that sort of accusation of deception was just not the reality. The truth is, and this is really what I've come away with in the days after and reflecting on this, is I think the truth is the core of the deception in their minds is this. When they think of Christians, they think of weird dudes in suits who vote for the bigot president they hate, who look a certain way, who act a certain way, who certainly don't play cool music in their clubs, wearing their clothes, acting their way. And I think for them, the core deception was that that was an act, that really, we would if we'd rip off our you know our cool shirts and our tattoos and our our rock music behind that is this evil corporation of dudes in white suits who put on this act to deceive these people and right. as i was saying to david i'm like man if this is an act i've been faking it for so long it might actually be real um and and i think that is the problem is is the the deception had to do with our identity that that they could not marginalize us because we didn't fit their stereotype Of the christians they hate we were kind of cool we played kind of cool music we we acted and looked like we were kind and and respectful and 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 so i think that was the core of the deception that they reacted against is that because people would say oh you need to you should be in a church and you're you know you're you just faked being a band to be able to do this and i'm like wow, that's a very long play. That's a very, if this is all just an act, I've really been acting this way for a long time. So I don't know, that That was kind of my perception. I don't know what you think, David, but I think that really felt like the heart of it for me, other than just the inherent offensiveness of the gospel when preached in public places. there, There's that offense. It's like, just don't preach your message and we would have been fine, or be the version of Christians that we think you are so that you're easy to marginalize and reject, which of course we aren't. And I think that was the primary thing that the thing I said on the worldwide call is I think they accused us of being, you know, sheep in wolves clothing, you know, not wolves and sheep clothing. It's kind of like, Hey, you, you're not really us. You just pretended to be us to get into our scene, to preach your cult message. That I think was the heart of the accusation. I don't yeah. know what you think, David.
1: Well, I think we were so relevant that they had to make a cartoon character out of us. They had to caricature uh what was going on because our because the response we were having in the clubs was so positive actually, if we would have just had no relevance and if the music was not good, if the show was not high quality, they would have not taken us seriously. You know the fact that Rolling Stone did two separate articles uh about the show and wanted our our Opinion and put that on the front cover, you know, that's crazy. I think it's quite f- ironic that the bands that wanted to cancel us ended up, what they did is they put us on the cover of the Rolling Stone. I mean, that's probably not yeah. what they wanted to do.
0: Yeah.
2: What What was kind of the the spin or the take that, that Rolling Stone took on
0: the whole thing? It, it was weird because they were very, um, honestly, it almost felt like they were just kind of reporting what yeah, had happened. Yeah. Not- they they weren't necessarily infusing a lot of their own opinions into it. I mean, you know, their initial article was like American cult band promises emo rock show, but ends up giving gospel message. Dun, dun, dun. And they kept talking, you know, about, like-
1: they kept talking about our, our, our
0: coffin our LED coffin. Yeah, for some reason, which like, is fine because David hates funny. our hate David that. hates our LED coffin anyway, so they were on the same page. But did they there. did
2: they love it or were they saying they didn't like it either?
0: Well, look, there there were many different layers to the accusations. I said like I said, I think the primary accusation was that deceptive part. Yeah, bait like the, bait and switch. Bait and switch, right? The bait and yeah. switch thing, which is and and I think maybe for the purposes of this podcast and maybe those listening are like You know, I don't know, maybe they're dozing off. But I think just kind of breaking this down is probably sufficient for this episode. I think we can bring on Luke and have more of a deeper conversation about bait and switch and about the foolishness of the gospel and about whether, can you actually present the gospel and avoid this? Did we do something wrong? By all means, Mm -hmm. let's have that open and honest conversation. And maybe for this podcast, Chad, you just kind of help us break this down and we talk about it and and, and we kind of share a little bit about what's next um, and, and we leave it at that. But... I think that was more related to some of the more, quote, triggering elements of our show. And and, and I even said in the Rolling Stone article, and and let me just back up for a second so there's some context. Rolling Stone did this article. We reached out to them and said, hey, do you want our side? (laughs) Do you want our perspective? And quite shockingly, they said yes, which I guess is not shocking in a sense of it being a relevant story. But what I find weird is that they... Would even bother giving us a right to defend ourselves? We don't mm-hmm. mean anything to them. We're not some institutional band here that deserves a hearing. We're we're just these goons that, as far as they're concerned, are you know they could just dismiss and move on. But they allowed me to really respond, and I did it in writing. It wasn't a it wasn't like a video or or audio yeah. uh, interview, um, but I, they gave us a series of questions that I was able to answer, and. They were very, very fair. I mean, I basically just said, you know, look, this is who we really are. We believe art should have a message. We don't believe that artists need to come with a warning label. Like, it's about how you treat people. It's about being loving and respectful. Yes, we did communicate with the bands, venues, and artists. The narrative changed once the online hate began. But the reality is we believe that good art challenges people. And that it's it's if it's done with love and respect that there's nothing wrong with that um and and it was pretty cool. I mean they were really um fair they 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 used a funny headline, which I don't blame them for. they kind of plucked it out of context of what I had said, but essentially headlines <laughs> nice. the headline essentially said something to the effect of lead singer of NLM Ben Pierce hits back well you weren't forced to watch. <laughs> which I was like, I was like, whatever, whatever. Look, and and at the end of the day, look, as the days went on, you know, the instinct might be to be very meek and mild, you know, like, oh, okay, so sorry. And that's the best way to represent Jesus, right? Just to be real lowly about it and take all the blame and just say, oh man, we were just here to love people, but we're sorry that we messed it up or blah, blah, blah. But I really think that you could feel from a lot of the comments and the the people coming out in support of what we did that this was an important cultural moment to expose some of the the fallacious notions of tolerance in secular culture today and that far from being just us taking some right-wing conservative political opportunity but to defend the fact that art it's okay for for art to have a message that it's okay to to be uncomfortable to to have your views challenged it's okay for art to be about politics but it's also okay for it to be about Jesus and 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 so for us to be able to communicate in that rolling stones article a little bit more of a like come on like what do we do we what kind of society do we want to live in do we want to live in a society that only allows a certain set of values to be communicated and dismisses and suppresses every other view or do we truly want to live in a society where people are valuable and matter and as long as you're respectful all views deserve a hearing and so i feel like we are able to do that and and david can share a little bit more but i think ultimately there was many key people and key artists and key influencers who were really emboldened by this when you say david yeah. that this actually will be a moment that could spark something far beyond what just we are capable of doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the guys that's the, they, they call him the, the like the, the godfather of the emo scene here in Brazil said that this was the best thing that's happened in the emo scene and in rock music for years. He said, it's a breath of fresh air. He said, when it, when, if NLM comes back, I'm in. And we started getting uh, those kinds of responses yeah. well, from major people in the scene it actually, it it did exactly the opposite of what was intended. It didn't cancel us. Yes. It, we, it kept us from playing in a few small shows uh, at the end, but it's, but what it did is it opened up enormously big opportunities uh, for the future. So it, it's, it's, and we've had a lot of, a lot of people come talking to our promoters here saying uh, we're behind you. I mean uh, we, we we're with NLM and, and these are, people that have a lot of different kinds of messages in their in their shows but they're mm-hmm. but they're feeling like uh, I think God is really going to use this um, in a big way.
2: We used to have a saying uh, in the in the music industry that all press is good press and just that the idea there is that if you if people are talking about you, uh, that generally leads to sales. And I, you know, I know that no longer music don't care about sales and obviously are not in it for any kind of financial gain, but from but here's a certified check
1: for $5,000 <laughs> I know. from an
2: industry perspective, this, this is the kind of thing that, that, that does exactly what you're saying to give validity to what you're saying. I mean, the, the, the next time No Longer Music has an opportunity in Brazil, the odds are that many more people will attend because there's now the, you know, so yep. it, anyway, it's, it's an interesting world.
0: Yeah, yeah, and again, I think that's, you know, that that was ultimately the the feeling we came away with, which is that, you know, what the enemy intended for evil, God's going to use for good, and in, and in a very weird sort of way, We were used to bring a a conversation to a national level, which is, you know, are we going to accept that certain messages and culture are just not going to be tolerated? Are we going to accept a caricaturized version of Christianity? You know, I think that's what was so interesting is that those who interacted with us experienced what you know, again, far from perfect by all means, but we are so far from the Christians they imagined in their minds that when this criticism started to come down, I feel like it was very obvious to them that we were not the people they were accusing us of being. so So yeah, I think that that you're right. I mean, if we come back, you know, second to Nickelback, we're the most hated band in Brazil. So who doesn't want to <laughs> see who doesn't want to see why? Right, so what's right. the big fuss about? What was all the problem? Because that was a lot of the comments, right? Tons of the comments was like, "What is the? I don't get it. What? Why are right. we? Right.
2: What's the? What's the story? What am I missing? What are we whining about? I think that what you guys are going to experience the next time God opens those doors is probably, but probably a, a increase of that that animosity, you know, and that like we hate this band. They, you know, they they whatever did this or that. But I would also I also feel like it would be so much of what David just shared, you know, the the people in the scene and in the world there that realize that this level of openness that you that you I mean hopefully people who actually claim to to have an open mind would at some point ask themselves and and you know we pray by by the power of the Holy Spirit that happens sooner than later why why were they so passionate and willing to put themselves in a position to be hated sure. for a message that didn't matter right. you know or a, or something that like what's bo- what's behind it and when when people begin to ask those kind of questions it's it's uh it's requires i think a little more heart searching um to to really come up with something yeah. so
0: yeah and i i feel very privileged to be in a position to to present to people the real Jesus. Because sadly, the perception that people have of Jesus is not entirely their own doing. It's the reality of how Jesus is demonstrated to them in politics by certain religious figures or just the people that they've interacted with. And that's tragic, right? And the sad part in our culture is that, I think what made us so enigmatic is that we were hated for, you know a lot of the reasons that Christians get hated they they accused us of and 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 yet it wasn't the truth of who we really are and so the prayer might be that if you know even though it's not fun to necessarily be the the on the receiving end of that kind of criticism that thousands of people would come to find out for themselves you know that they're like what's different about these guys is there something different because the the that i think is what god might do with this right that he will drum up so much curiosity uh about this band that wait a minute they they don't look or sound or act anything like the Christians I hate, but they have to be like them. Right. Yeah, exactly. I I guess I better find out. Right. And that's, see that that's why I go back to what I said before about it's, it's that they don't like it. I, I kind of liken it in a way to the Jordan Peterson effect where I think people, they, they bother people so much because he's not easy to pin down. I mean, he's like, doesn't claim to really believe in God. He's from Canada, not from America. He doesn't – you can't pin him down liberal. You can't pin him down conservative. He's just he, – he he isn't in the box. It's like, oh, it would be so much easier if he was just a southern white guy from Texas who <laughs> was down the party line of all the conservative beliefs and then, oh, yeah, whatever. Right. It's just another Ben Shapiro. Dismiss him. Uh-huh. Right? Just write but, him off. But they can't because he should be one of theirs, but he isn't, and, and he just stands up for truth regardless of the opinions on either side. And and so again without overextending the analogy I think part of why we bothered people so much is because it's it's one thing to hate a cartoon it's another thing f- for it to look nothing like you want it to look like and yet still represent the thing you think it should be like if that makes sense you no, know what I mean? a- it's like
1: absolutely and and I think
0: what am I going to do with these people this isn't this Jesus is actually kind of good like I what's I, I don't know what to do with that right
1: I mean okay so yesterday I met with with uh, the singer of, of this very famous band here uh, and it was interesting the coffee shop we went to they they uh, on the wall they sell uh, bleep you coffee and it's like a middle finger and it's I never saw that before so it's quite funny
2: <laughs> did you buy the question is did you buy any
1: well I think yeah I, I did I well he bought me a capture <laughs> I don't know if it was The bleep you, brand or not.
2: (laughs) Was he trying to send you a not so subliminal message by buying you that
1: coffee? You know, and this guy, he's, I really, I really respect him because he really, he, he believed, he really believes passionately in, he wants justice. You know what I mean? And his, he's, uh, he's very on, he's very far on the left. He told me about his friends in the communist party in the U.S., you know, he's, uh, he's been, he lives what he believes. He's not a poser. He's not like some of these bands we were, yeah. we were interacting with. This guy really is a radical guy, but he was, he was so intrigued by us and by what our message. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had a long conversation with him about, you know, I reject the Jesus that you have in your mind. I reject too. You know, if I thought what you did about who Jesus is, I wouldn't want to know him either. And you need to not do that. And he goes, yeah, I think I would like to know the real Jesus. He says this to me, you know, and this is this really Mm -hmm. influential left wing guy, really passionate, um, you know, and he said, I said, you would die for what you believe in. He goes, yeah. And I said, well, so would I, you know, and, and you don't, when you, when you get up to give your, your show, you don't say, okay, I want to warn you that I'm going to, you know, tell everyone bleep the president and stuff like that before my show you don't put, do that. Why? So why should we have to do the same, that kind of thing? And he goes, yeah, you're right. You know? And um, mm-hmm. he said, I'm into, I'm into to riots and controversy. You know, basically if you come back, I'm in. So I think he would act, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we were having this really amazing conversation and th- then he started talking about something, someone in his family who's going through some really rough time. And I, I said to him, you know, I know that you're, you're an atheist and uh, you don't believe in God, but is it okay if I pray for this person in your family? And he said, yeah. And I started praying for him and he's crying. I mean, here we are in this, this really radical cafe where all the, like all the cool people come, you know what I mean? All the people that are just big influencers in the, in the, political anarchy scene and and he's like a he's a rock star to them they all love him while we were waiting for him on the street people would would come up to him and want to talk to him and here he is crying you know uh so touched um and yeah and i said hey man you need to come with me to ukraine because i want to go to ukraine next month i said you got to come with me to ukraine and he's like oh i can't do that you know um am we have our own war going on here because he just had someone you know, smash the window of his car, trying to steal, you know, a cell phone, like happened to one of our guys recently. And his little girl was in the car and we're talking about that. And I'm saying, it'll change your life. You know, if you come with me. And I said, we have a lot of friends in Russia too. You should go there. And he's just like, you know, so he wants me to get back to him about that. But I'm telling you, God is using this whole thing. You know, what was intended to, to cancel us is actually opened greater opportunities I never would have had an opportunity to talk with this guy if we wouldn't have had this situation happen, you know, wouldn't have happened No. And, and I, I think he's, I love people who, who really are passionate and are willing to die for what they, for what they believe, you know, and that's the kind of guy he is. And, you know, when we were talking, I thought, you know, we, yeah, we have a lot of differences of what the conclusions are. I thought we have a lot more similarities than differences when it comes to uh, the w- why we do what we do. And he felt that, you know, and it was, it was very, very cool. Very cool.
0: All right. Well, yeah. So that, that was that definitely a unique experience. I don't know if that belongs on the bucket list or what kind of list, you know, because, you know, I got this message a couple of days ago, this guy's like, he, he finds me on Instagram and follows me. And then he writes, never come back to Brazil. And then I wrote, I wrote, "Ah, man but I want to come back to Brazil. And then he wrote, you're a vile and disgusting human. And then I just said, all right. So, you know. Uh, I love that. It's, uh,
2: I want to follow you, but you're a violent, disgusting human.
0: Yeah, so, and then there was another guy who was like, go back to America. And then I wrote, but we're from eight different countries. And he's like, I was like, so where are these people supposed to go? And he's like, oh, I don't believe your lies. Go back to America. I was like, okay, we, we have like four Brazilians in our band, but I guess they have yeah. to go to America now. Yeah. So anyway, it's, you know, it's, you take the good with the bad. It is a little sure. weird. But
1: actually, you, you, you're you not making a difference if you don't have this kind of stuff, you know?
0: No, right. And that's the funny thing. And and we, again, we'll talk about next week, sort of the, the implications, the broader implications for all of us uh, living in a world that claims to be tolerant. Uh, but really cancels anything that doesn't fit within the mainstream ideology. We'll talk about that as it plays out for all of us, because none of us can hide, honestly. We're living in a world today where increasingly, if you want to be a legit follower of Jesus, you're going to have to confront some of these powers and principalities that are going to want to keep us quiet. Now, that doesn't mean we become the abrasive, annoying religious Pharisees that are out there everywhere. But man, standing up for the real Jesus, you're going to get accused of standing up for the wrong Jesus but you're also going to get criticized by the mainstream Christian world in many cases. Which we have. That doesn't want you to rock the boat or, or upset the status quo. So in all cases, you're going to get hated. But again, I don't know how you read the accounts of the life of Jesus or Paul or the early believers and don't recognize that that is an inherent part of what it means to follow Jesus. So uh, I counted it as a privilege. It was very surreal. It was very weird. Uh, it was also quite amazing. And we'll see what happens. Again, as, as we've said already many times, I think... <laughs> We're going to have a crazy, crazy tour, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, for better or for worse. All right, that's it. I got nothing else to say. Uh, Yeah, hopefully Luke will be back. We'll break it all down. We'll talk about it further, and uh, hopefully in the meantime, you know, we'll we'll keep a low profile, you know? We'll we'll try to stay out of trouble the best we can. Right, fellas? Nope. Nope. (laughs) All right, that's it. Talk to you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. If you enjoy this content, consider leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. Got questions for the guys? Send them to provokeandinspire at steiger.org. Thanks for listening.